I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted 2.0, and now I am worked up more so than normal before I start recording because I just recorded half of this show and then looked at my mixing board, and it was off because my disc was full, and it was good. <laughs> oh, all right. That's okay. Now, now I'm now I'm in the right frame of mind. I, I I was in the right frame of mind, but now I'm in meteor race. I'm in the middle of things. I'm I'm ready to start amped up. Oh, mouth or nose breathing during exercise? Oh, do we really have to talk about this? Yeah, we do. We do because of more social media expert stupidity. They just did a podcast on social media expert in air quotes stupidity but this goes to some some studies and one study in particular that i'm going to so enjoy bringing to you ah i did not think that i would spend so much time talking about what other people are talking about but i have to it's a new world these people couldn't get into muscle and fitness or men's health or women's health or Self Magazine, all the magazines back in the day that had experts and some really smart ones at that. <sighs> Mouth or nose breathing during exercise. Yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about because there was and is a well-known fitness influencer. I don't even know what to call these people anymore. Someone who's lost some weight. And listen... They post some pretty good stuff the vast majority of the time. I just came across them and huge following and some other people were following this person. But yeah, this is why I don't follow most people. Usually only PhD level, really smart people. And most of those people like Dr. Daniel Lieberman, I don't think he has a Twitter account, (laughs) you know? But thank goodness people like Steve Magness who weighed in on this topic as well, which is why I said... Uh, and not just this topic, this tweet, this is why I got to do a podcast on this because it hits everything. It hits everything. Misinformation, <laughs> you know, what is natural, our bodies, spending time doing things, trying to adapt to stuff we shouldn't adapt to. And just simplicity, people. And what I realized is that, you know, I thought like, why is this person who puts out generally basic stuff, but good information, the vast majority of the time, why are they going and doing this stuff? And it's like a 15, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, It's 15 tweets, uh, you know. See, I'm getting worked up. (laughs) Thread. (laughs) That's the word I'm looking for. It was a long thread. You know why? Because he went on and on and on on how he does this, how he practices nose breathing, what type of tape he uses in his training. And he cites this study, which I'm not sure he read because if he did read it, one of two things or many things, either he doesn't know how to read a study, he ignores it, or I I, I don't know. Because he pulled... A couple of the metrics, the the things, you know, that sound good, biomarkers. But but it, it didn't lead to improvement. And I'll get there. 
but it was really well-worded, as I said in my last podcast, which is what these people do. But what I was getting to, what I realized is to keep people interested and to make themselves sound smart, they often not only twist or don't understand the science, and this is one of the few who actually, he actually you know, posted the study, which I'd heard of before and I will get to, but it, it disproves what he's saying. And to spend all this time talking about how you're going to spend months doing this bizarre, unnatural type of training and the study <laughs> shows it doesn't improve performance, what is going on? What is going on? But the vast majority of people, I'd say 98% who read those tweets, that thread, who have no idea. And they'll go, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to waste my time. When you could be doing something that works. Something that works. It takes my breath away. Yes. Pun intended. Pun intended. And let me backtrack. So when we talk about mouth or nose breathing during exercise, you may be thinking, is this cardiovascular? Well, yes. The study and uh, the study I'm going to talk about is cardio. But I, you know, I've gotten this question for decades. How to breathe during strength training. And the answer is it depends. It depends. And yes, what is the tried and true maxim when it comes to breathing during exercise? Yeah, you exhale during the exertion. But not always, right? I do three to five second reps. One to two on the up, three to four on the down. Almost all the time for everything I do. Okay, time under tension, moderate weights, go into failure. It works. Builds muscle, builds strength, decreased chance of injury, increased results. But if you're max PRing, you're not doing that and you're exhaling on exertion. Okay, but it depends. It depends. But we do what's natural. That's going to be the theme of not only this podcast, but all my podcasts. The body is a ridiculous ridiculously smart, intelligent machine. It's incredible, which is one of the reasons I absolutely love what I do. And I love studying it because it never ceases to blow me away. But we have these experts who have a hack, who have a way around the natural, the natural way of doing things. And this goes for energy utilization as well, people. I'm not going to be specific. I want to, but I don't want you getting angry with me, certain people out there. But why are we trying to get our bodies to adapt to something, whether that's energy utilization or how we breathe or anything like that? Why are we trying to change what it does naturally to <laughs> at best get back to baseline and at worst, which is this example, n- not improving. You're not improving. You're spending all this time doing something that's unnatural, and I would argue somewhat painful. To what end? To the end that it gets people to follow this person who is taking something simple, making it not only complex, but but inaccurate. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> I just checked. The board's still going. I, I, I cleared enough memory. Shows how many shows I had on that uh, memory disc. Um, Here's the study. The effect 
I, I love the titles of these studies. <laughs> Effect of nasal versus oral breathing on VO2 max and physiological economy in recreational runners following an ex extended period spent using nasally restricted breathing. I tried to read it like uh, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, one breath. It's hard to do. Let me try it again. But listen, listen to like the craziness. Just, you know, I know that this is generally how studies are worded. <laughs> Uh, but this is a little ludicrous, even in the title. Effect of nasal versus oral breathing on VO2 max and physiological economy in recreational runners following an extended period spent using nasally restricted breathing. International Journal of Kinesiology and Sports Science, April 2018. Okay, not to say that, you know, studies, this isn't even an old study, but it's five years, right? If this were something that were like mind-blowing, and it's, it's <laughs> for most people, it will be. You'll go, I've never heard of that. If you haven't heard of that and the study's five years old, guess what? I can't say this enough times. When I study, when I look at, you know, uh, ways of improving performance for myself, for my clients, for you, I look at a bunch of factors. One of the most important factors, along with the science and the studies and everything else, are what the pros are doing. Now we need to take out the performance enhancing drugs and that's hard. That's hard because they're getting results along with those performance enhancing drugs. In just about every sport, tennis, badminton, you'd be shocked. <laughs> but those people will do anything, including the drugs, to improve their performance. So this study, and there's several more that came out prior. Uh, it's not by, you know, by any means the only one, but uh, not a huge amount of research into this specific area and I would argue for good reason. Um, but if it's five years old and this were the way to do it, there'd be a heck of a lot more runners, triathletes, and other types of athletes doing it. Not this one fitness influencer is telling you what type of tape he uses to practice this at home. <laughs> it truly takes my breath away. I'm going to keep repeating that pun. Uh, where am I? Yeah, making the simple complex. Let me, uh, perfect, another example, really quickly, and then I'm gonna get to the study. Uh, I did a podcast way back when, and I love, this is like such a great example, comparison topic. Remember when you were in gym class or, you know, gym class for many people, and you had a hard effort, you like, you know, did the mile test or something, and you went to bend over and just catch your breath, and so many of the gym teachers said what? Or coaches, any sport. Keep walking and put your hands on your head. <laughs> You're like, no, but that's not what I want to do. I want to just kind of collapse and recover. Well, they did studies. And what did the studies show? You do what's natural. That people who actually stop, bend over, recover better. And I'm oversimplifying to a certain degree, but I'm not, again. Then when you walk with your hands on your head, your body will go to where it wants to be. It's really smart. If it didn't, like, what if you, what if you were, you know, going back to evolution and I'm doing a lot of work in this as always, but specific book right now. Uh, if there wasn't a coach to tell you, uh, you know, you just got away from the tiger. Don't bend over and catch your breath. No, keep walking, put your hands on your head. <laughs> like, there is no coach to tell you to do that for good reason. There is no coach to tell you uh, that you should barefoot run or wear this type of shoe or heel strike this way. You do what's natural. Can you be coached? Yeah, to a certain degree, of course you can. But not visually, for the most part. You have to go into a lab. 
to truly test your running economy and things like that. You can't tell by just looking. Yes, of course, there's wasted energy with, you know, the way you swing your arms and certain things. Of course there is, but you need to go into a lab. I was asked many times back when I was really coaching uh, a lot to help people with their form and things like that. And I'd say, I'll give you the basics and I'm not charging you for it. And I'm going to send you to a lab where there's a guy who really knows what he's doing, who will test you in multiple ways. But my point is, our bodies are really smart. And you know what? The number one predictor, this is just, you know, awesome. The number one predictor of running performances, is it whether you nose breathe, whether you do, you know, uh, (laughs) cryotherapy? Is it, you know, if you, no. It's the number of miles you run. It's the number of miles you run. Direct correlation. Like linear as can be for the most part. The more miles you run, the better you're going to do. Now, the whole goal is to not get hurt. And therein lies the rub, right? But that's it. It's none of this fancy stuff. It's miles in the saddle for cyclists. It's miles on the road for runners. And this is why I get so worked up because there's so much out there that's wasting your time. Get out there and run. Naturally. (laughs) Don't sit in your room, tape your mouth the way this fitness whatever wants you to do and then do it in training. All right, let's get to the study. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I gave you I gave you the title. I gave you the the journal, right? Yep. All right. So I'm gonna read parts from it, bullet points, summarizing it for you. Uh, <laughs> the vast majority of individuals appear to breathe through the mouth during intensive exercise. And they quote a study back in 1980 or cite a study in 1983. Most individuals will spontaneously switch from predominantly nasal breathing to predominantly oral breathing or oral nasal breathing at some point during a graded exercise test. So that's what your body does naturally. So at lower intensities, yeah, you can breathe through your nose. But then naturally, you need more air. (laughs) This is pretty darn simple. And so, I just love the terms too, oral nasal. It's also similar to, you know, the confusing fat burning zone. Not really confusing, but many people I talked about in my last podcast When you first start exercising, it's almost all fat calories. And then as you increase, you have more carbohydrate uh, utilization. And that's the way the body works. So trying to screw around with that, as I alluded to at the beginning of this, by adapting your body to certain ways of fueling that it's not naturally made to do. Why? Well, you go increases performance. Well, it doesn't. If it did, everyone would do it. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Uh, second point. Many commenters to these same posts describe the sensation of air hunger. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest term? Air hunger means you... you, you <laughs> air hunger. So if you try to breathe through your nose when you want to breathe, breathe through your mouth, you get hungry for air. <laughs> oh... While attempting to breathe in a nasally restricted manner during exercise, thereby rejecting the notion that such such breathing is effective to support high-intensity exercise. 
That's a fancy way, again, of saying you're suffocating, <laughs> right? You're, you're slowly suffocating yourself. Now, let me just stop for a second and say there are ways to train ourselves that, I mean, I was going to say that aren't natural, but they are. I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, disregard. <laughs> disregard. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, a theoretical case can also be made that oral breathing during heavy exercise may precipitate the development of exercise-induced bronchospasm, EIB in athletes. Okay, so that's that's interesting. And I have friends, and, and I kind of have it too. I call it, you know, exercise-induced asthma, right? So what they're saying is, and this stands to reason, don't want to go super deep into it, but if you don't breathe into your lungs the way you do through your mouth, but you do it through your nose, which warms the air in a certain way that's different, things like that, that may prevent people who have asthma <laughs> from having an attack. May. There's some studies into that. That's different. But you go, oh, but maybe we can extrapolate that out to performance benefits. Mm, no. Uh... <laughs> Wow, I'm worked up. However, two studies strongly suggest that breathing in a nasally restricted manner will eliminate the EIB, again, uh, exercise-induced, uh, just let's call it asthma, response in asthmatic patients at lower levels of exercise. So if you're going for a walk, if you're going for a jog, you know, low levels, and you're breathing through your nose, that sounds okay. And if you have asthma, the studies show that may benefit you. It ain't that hard, people. You know, to breathe through your nose, naturally, you're doing it anyway, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> uh, we, it just, they just said that, right? Uh, and nasal breathing has also been suggested as a possible strategy to reduce the occurrence of EIB in otherwise healthy athletes. Okay, again, low levels of exercise. You're naturally breathing more through your nose, but if you want to focus a little bit more, if you have type of asthma attack, that may be indicated. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, however, the only current published study examining the ability of healthy normal uh, subjects to complete maximal aerobic work while breathing in a nasally restricted manner demonstrated a significant reduction. Here we go, people. In both VO2 max and the peak work accomplished in the nasal breathing condition in comparison to the oral and oronasal conditions. Okay. So there's one study that these people are admitting to <laughs> that performance was significantly decreased, okay? When you tried to only breathe through your nose. Oh, but they go, mm, wait a sec. The last finding is strong. I love this. This is so insightful, people. I don't think they know what they said here, but it's here. The last finding is strongly discouraging to most sports scientists. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Coaches and athletes who might consider adopting a nasally restricted breathing strategy as it suggests that peak work capacity will be reduced and training intensity repair impaired. Why would that be discouraging unless you went in with a bias of I want to do something unnatural to increase performance? I don't want to waste my athlete's time. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. Sure, if the studies were going, you know what? There's something here that's not just about asthma. 
And maybe there will be in the future. This is the these, this is the research we have now, people. I'm going to go with what we have, what I do naturally, and the performance I have personally. If this worked, I would be doing it. If any of the things I rail against, and I'm open to everything that increases my performance, increases my happiness, increases my health, but to say is strongly discouraging to most sports scientists who might consider... I'm going to consider adopting something that works. And if it doesn't, I'm going to move on. I think it's strongly discouraging to these researchers because they're still trying. Okay. Recently, however, we published, this is great, a case study. That's one person. Okay. Uh, This is in 2016, supporting the claim of a highly trained triathlete that Following a six-month training period spent using nasally restricted breathing, he was able to race and train at all levels of running intensity while breathing only nasally without a loss in performance, ability, or undue air hunger as a means of eliminating his own asthma, EIB problems. Awesome. That's an experiment of one. And I'm not saying that that's not interesting. And I talk about myself as an experiment of one frequently. But this is one person who got back to baseline. Okay? He didn't increase his performance ability, but he supposedly eliminated his own exercise-induced asthma. Okay? Awesome. Good for him. Or uh, or her. I don't know. Him or her. No, it's he. Um, that's one. So, so, so these researchers are going, okay, we got one, let's keep going, which is fine. Consequently, the purpose of this study was to extend those findings to determine if recreational runners, here we go, following an extended period of self-selected adaptation to nasally restricted breathing can compete a maximal graded exercise test and high level, which is 85% of maximal velocity, steady state protocol without a loss in VO2 max peak running velocity or physiological economy. Okay, so they took 10 people. Here are the subjects. 10, and this is really, mm, I got a problem with. Uh, 10 uh, subjects, five males, five females, recreational runners who met inclusion criteria. What was that criteria? Required them to have utilized a nasally restricted breathing pattern during all training and racing for a minimum of six months. I find that hard to believe. That they only breathed through their nose, through all, all training and all racing for six months. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Okay. Prove me wrong. It goes to like people, I've been in this industry way too long. Thousands and thousands of people who tell me what they eat or told me. Not true. 50% true, 60, 70, 80, depending on the person. Just, I have a problem with that. It's 10 people which is not horrible, but when you go, that inclusion criteria utilized a nasally restricted breathing, but it doesn't even matter when you look at the results, okay? Uh, This study is the first to examine the effect of prior training, right? So in the other study, they didn't train. They just tried to perform nasally restricted breathing and see the, and it didn't work, (laughs) right? So now they're gonna train and see if that helps improved performance. Uh, Prior training using a nasally restricted breathing approach on running economy, the ability to produce peak work and the ability to maintain a high aerobic capacity. Uh, Again, let's just call that improving their performance while breathing nasally versus orally. 
uh, in the only previous uh, study addressing the effect, we talked about this, both were substantially reduced uh, in the nasally restricted breathing condition. However, the participants in that study were normal, healthy volunteers who had made no specific attempts to utilize a nasally restricted breathing approach prior to the study. I would go, yeah, because it's not natural. <laughs> and it's, it, 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 what's the term? Air hunger? Yeah, uh, you're suffocating. Uh, blah, 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 you don't need to hear that. Subsequently, these participants were able to achieve, here they go. So what are the results of the 10 I just described? Subsequently, these participants were able to achieve the same, the same peak work and maximal oxygen consumption in graded exercise tests while breathing nasally as they achieved while breathing normally or uh, orally or normally, let's call it. So, <laughs> so you didn't improve. You didn't improve. You tortured yourself for six months and you didn't improve. And not only that, you actually didn't improve and you, you, yet. <laughs> here we go. I'll just read it. However, unlike the previous study, uh, they were still able to achieve adequate uh, oxygenation in this condition and continue to increase work to levels as high as the oral breathing condition with no significant difference. Okay. That's the, the, one of the findings that this, fitness person on social media twisted and made it sound like it like drastically improved oxygenation. No. And here's another finding. The study produced a significantly lower VO2 max at steady state while breathing nasally. Significantly lower VO2 max at steady state while breathing nasally. Decreased performance. Adequate oxygenation, as I said uh, prior, adequate. It's going. The, the primary limitation in performing this study was the difficulty in finding subjects who met the inclusion criteria. No kidding. And I still don't believe that they followed those guidelines for six months. Because uh, it's. I, I'm going to read. So this, we're going to end with this. Uh, Read the whole thing again. The primary limitation in performing this study was the difficulty in finding subjects who met the inclusion criteria of running and racing using a nasally restricted breathing approach over an extended period as this practice is very rare. Do you know why it's very rare? Because it doesn't work. Because it's not natural. Prove me wrong. And I did respond to, uh, which I'm doing now. I didn't do this before and I may stop because I don't like, whatever. Uh, I'll race against anyone who wants to only breathe through your nose. There you go. It's that simple. Prove me wrong. Beat me. Spend six months training with tape over your mouth the way this guy is suggesting you do it. And he's got like mindfulness and things like that. And yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. He probably is sponsored by some tape company is my guess at this point. Occam's Razor people. You know, one of the first people who... Uh, direct message me just telling me how bad my podcast was years ago. Just screamed on and on about how I didn't, I had to stop talking about Occam's razor that I learned it in school and that, that it didn't apply. It, it applies. And, you know, we kind of twist the actual meaning of it, but most people take it as the simplest explanation is, is usually the right one. Yeah. 
put in your miles, do what's natural. If you want performance, it's about consistency of the basics. I get back to that almost every single podcast for a reason because it works. I'm living proof of it. Do the basics 80% of the time, 20% of the time. Do the, do the other stuff that might work. But don't spend 80% of your time doing stuff that might work. <laughs> Life's too short. Life's too short to breathe through your nose. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Let me leave you with what Steve Magness, again, he's the author I interviewed, one of the, the greatest book I've read in the last couple of years, Do Hard Things. And it's not what the title really sounds like, but it's an amazing book. And he referenced this uh, study and the social fitness media influencer, whatever you want to call them's take on it. He says, this is a great example of what I call biomarker madness. It's common in the health fitness world. Point to all those markers that change if you do X. So that's what this person said in his tweet, along with telling you how to do it, like oxygenation change. Again, big fancy words, the biomarkers that changed, but... As Steve Magness and I concur says, neglect the so what. In this study, no performance improvement and most studies detrimental and potential decrease in VO2 max. Don't spend six months doing something unnatural for no performance improvement and potential decrease in VO2 max. Do what's natural. Do what you enjoy. Find the strength training, find the cardio, find the healthy foods, find the right freaking information. (laughs) Stop. Wow. Way more worked up. Oh, but I like it. I got to. It's the only way. You know, this is actually, I I got in a bike ride this morning. Uh, I'm going back to Boston, people. I'm going to put it out there. Had a streak of like eight, nine, ten Bostons. Um, Took time off. Luckily, uh, my first... uh, when I stopped was the year of the bombing, uh, which is 2012. Um, but I'm back. I'm going to requalify. And my goal is what I had back then. Be fast and healthy enough um, to requalify for Boston every year. So put it out there. Uh, and, and I need to follow the advice that I give you at 54. If breathing through your nose got me to Boston, you're darn tootin'. I do it. I think I've ever said darn tootin'. Shows how out of my mind I am right now. Um, but anyway, enough. Enough. Find the right information. It's here. And I've got some great guests coming up. I keep saying that, but they're coming. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. I just have to vent about this stuff first. Uh, Tom H. Fit, Instagram and Twitter. Got some, so you guys are reaching out. I just love, love, love to hear from you and your successes and things like that. But questions, comments, whatever you want to talk about, DM me, Tom H. Fit, Instagram, Twitter, teamholland.com or fitnessdisrupted.com. Go to my website, email me through there, see more about what I'm doing. Uh, a couple new things too. Um, I'll save that. I'll save that for next time. Remember, there are three things, people. We all control how much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our state of mind. And that is awesome. I'm going to leave you as I do now with Jackal Lane from my radio show so many years ago. Oh, he was and is, you know, will always be the real deal. Uh, and here he is. I hope that each and every one of you wonderful people that are listening to Tom's great show will do something for the most important person on this earth, you.